And then I finally realized, it's in the Bible. Why wouldn't I want to talk about something in the Bible? Now, if it's not in the Bible, I should not want to talk about that. But it's in the Bible, just like Susan said about giving. It's in the Bible. We can't skirt around it. And so this morning, my message will be very, very uh, helpful to us. And I, I believe we need to start out. Thank you, praise and worship team. We started out with the right praise and worship. I want to start everything right this year. It's not that we might get a, it's not that we might have a few bumps in the road and we might miss it at times, but our hearts are going to be to run with the Lord. Amen. And his plans and what he desires. The title of my message this morning is Less of Me and More of Him. That right there will work. Less of me and more of him. So, you know, in our growth and our progression in the Lord, and maturing in the Lord, maturity really sees that. You don't have to tell maturity that. You don't have to teach that to maturity. I couldn't teach this to Paul if he was living. He had it. He understood. He understood that it wasn't about him, that if he was going to preach the gospel, it was going to be Jesus Christ and him and his salvation, his power and the cross and and so you, you understand, maturity sees things differently. Understood? Your children, if you have young children, who has young children? They, they don't think like you because they don't see like you. They hadn't been through life yet. They haven't had experiences yet. They haven't practiced yet what you are teaching them. And that may be down the road. And so maturity sees differently. You know, an immature person could see something and it would be all about them. But a mature person would look at the same situation and see right through that and see something beyond that and see that God needs to move in that area. And it's really not about that person. It's really about a test possibly with that person. So let me read this scripture to start with. This is in Psalms 115.1. And this is what the psalmist is saying, and this is my heart, and this should be your heart also. Not to us, O Lord, but to you goes all the glory for your unfailing love and faithfulness. So this year, God's going to do some big things. God's going to do some big things. But don't be a glory grabber. God's going to do some big things. It's amazing how God uses little me and little you and we just do our little bits and the little piece that God wants us to do and oftentimes it's physical we just do our little thing and then God does the big great part and then bam the supernatural the miraculous and the thing that's extraordinarily beyond our own abilities it happens isn't that the way it works so God's not asking us to do all the big things. Now, some things that are big to us, is, it's like taking a step of faith, but it's really still a little thing because God does the big part of it. He just wants us to be in partnership and a piece of what he's doing. I'm excited about that. And so let's be well-polished mirrors that when we do our little part in our little piece, that we will be 
let me put it like this. When God uses me, little me, in the little bit that I do, and then man and ministry see it, I'll take all the encouragement, all the affirmation, and all the attaboys that ministry and men will give me. But I'll also be quick to return it all back to my glory, glorious Father, the glorious Son, and the glorious Holy Spirit. So you understand, we can say thank you. We can say, man, I need that encouragement to keep doing this thing. But we know we only did a little piece. God's not going to ask. He just wants you to do the part he's asking you to do. And then he's going to get all the glory and all the honor. Tell your neighbor, don't be a glory grabber. We need to be well-polished mirrors to rightfully, faithfully, and quickly return to return the glory to the one that deserves it real quick. And I'm telling you, God will just keep promoting us. God will keep uh, prospering us. So I'm going to talk a little bit this morning about praying and fasting. And you know, I'm the one that has worded this and coined this term around here. If we preach about something long enough, it'll come to pass. And this is in the Bible. And uh, I'm just going to build on some things that Pastor Clayton has already put in his book. I really encourage you to get his book. And uh, praying and fasting, it is a spiritual thing, but we're going to uh, talk about some physical things that we need to do. Turn to Exodus 17, verse 9. We're going to read a few scriptures. And I want you to hear what the voice of the Lord is saying this morning. Exodus 17, verse 9 through 12. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men and go out and fight Amalek. Uh, before I go any further, we had a little time with the guys yesterday. We have some amazing men in this church. But you know what? We also have some amazing women. Every amazing man, has an ama if he's married, has an amazing woman behind. I mean, I'm telling you. We have got some amazing women here in this church. So I want to just kind of give you a little recognition there. If you're not married, you will be. If you're not married, you're not alone because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is with you. And so uh, keep on keeping on. All right, tomorrow, Moses said, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So God, is, his Father, is speaking to him, and so he's obeying. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and he fought Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Ur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hands. This is a physical thing. Simple, very simple physical thing. When he held up his hand on top of this hill, Israel prevailed. I was going to act all this out, but we don't have time this morning. But all he did was held up his hand with the rod of God in his hand. This is Old Testament. And as long as he had his hands held up high, it's a type of surrender. It's a type of humility. It, it's dependence on God. I don't know if Moses read all that into that. But he just is doing exactly physically what the Lord told him to do. 
And it was when Moses held up his hands that Israel prevailed, but when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And so nobody can say in this story God's in control because obedience on the part of a man was going to determine the outcome. Something done small physically would determine what was being done in the unseen realm. You know, it was only 60 or 70 years ago where doctors found out about germs. People were dying because of germs. You know, an open wound, and they didn't understand they had all these little microscopic bacteria and viruses and all this stuff going on, so people would die, and they wouldn't even know why they were dying because there was something unseen they couldn't see. Y'all understand? That's why somebody finally figured out if we just put running water on our hands, people don't die as quick when we're helping them. I don't think they even knew what was going on. They just probably did something for so long and then realized, I don't know what cleansing my hands is all about. Because they didn't know what germs were. They knew what dirt was, but they couldn't see beyond the dirt. So they would just wash their hands. Y'all remember when the doctors used to come out like this? Some of y'all not old enough. But the doctors would actually wash. They didn't have rubber gloves. The doctors would do this, running water. And then they'd come out like this, and they'd be surgically ready. And then they'd begin. And for some reason, people live longer. Surgeries went better. And then, you know, down the road, they found out why... Uh, you know this work because the microscopes and they could they could find small things there's a lot of things that are going on that's unseen there's there's a habitat of insects and and little critters in the top of trees that you don't even know about because you don't live in a tree come sleep in my barn my uh, tree house sometimes and you meet these critters <laughs> but you understand there's areas that we can't see but there's things going on and so when Moses lifted up his hands, they'd start to win. But when he dropped his hands, they would begin to lose. So there was something going on in the spiritual realm, and, and they noticed the results, but they didn't know how it all worked. And they got good results because they were obedient to what, had, what God had commanded them to do. Now listen to this. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Now, in church today, most people, when the man gets weak, they stone him. That's a joke. They don't put a stone under him so he can sit on it and be comfortable and encourage him and lift him up. They just throw rocks at him. What's wrong with you? You're weak. I don't know. Some of y'all will get that down the road. And, Aaron, and listen, Aaron and Ur, her, supported his hands one by one, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steadily until the going down of the sun. This year, you will need an Aaron and a Her. Don't do it by yourself. They're in this church. You, you figure it out. You'll work it out. You have a hunger for God. People will put people, I mean, God will put people in your life. 
You don't have to do it alone. Matter of fact, if you're under the sound of my teaching right now and you struggle in an area or you don't understand something that we're saying or something we, we do, you have all the right to walk up to my leaders in church and say, hey, what is this about? And don't feel ashamed, don't feel condemned, don't feel like, you know, you are low life or you're not where everybody else is. No, 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 this is a school. You understand, this is a training, equipping center. And so don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't try to figure it out all by yourself. Just go to a leader, come to me, make an appointment. We will sit down and we will talk about the areas that you don't understand so you don't struggle in that area any longer and you can move forward. So this year you will need an Aaron and a her. Susan's my her. You know, if you're married, you got somebody. But if you're not, you're single. You need a group. You need, you need a, a, a few people in your life that can encourage you. So the whole moral of this story is that physical obedience releases spiritual powers in the heavenly. That's what happened. I mean, this is a battle. And you don't go into battle and three guys go up on a hill and they just do this. I mean, it makes no sense. Did I flash somebody? This is what you call a, what you call it, sir? A tuck it. Untuck. Maybe I should tuck it. Lord, I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to go somewhere. Y'all talking about drawers. What we do in our physical lives concerning the things that the Lord commands us to do has a very great significance in the unseen realm. And you, you can't forget this. Your prayer is working. Your witness is working. And sometimes it can be very discouraging in church when you're not seeing what you want to see but if you're doing it with a humble heart and a right heart things are working behind the scenes for you for the pleasure of the Lord Hebrews 1 14 this is what it says are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation that's talking about angels and so when I saw this story I'm you know the, the father the Holy Spirit heaven is releasing angels. Angels are working on our behalf. I, I, I'm not a big angel type person. And I had to slap myself and get straight on this because I think I get a lot of negative because I hear people talking about angels. They see angels wherever they go. And I'm like, I don't ever see an angel. I never saw an angel. Never saw anybody. But they see angels all the time. And sometimes I don't really think they see angels all the time. I'll be honest. I could be wrong, but I just don't think they see angels all the time. And some people get infatuated with angels. We shouldn't. But then again, we shouldn't be so foolish not to believe in them. And so I had to kind of get my, my head straight that there are angels because it's in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the Bible, so there's angels. So I'm thinking in this story, you know, angels were dispatched. 
And as soon as the angels saw the people of God obeying the commandments of God, the angels could do and go forth and do what the Father wanted done. But as soon as the people pulled back and retracted from what God wanted them to do, the angels had to back off. So we actually have a vote in the outcome what we do physically on earth. And actually, prayer is a spiritual thing, but you have to be in the physical to do it. You can't be comatose, lost somewhere, unaware and unconscious and pray. No, you're in your body. And so, I'm going to say it again. Everything we do physically has an effect in the spiritual or unseen realm. And the Bible goes on to say that and of the angels, he says, this is verse 4, Hebrews 1, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. And so angels in the Bible, they bring answer to prayers. They bring the results of the commandments that were made to us. Now, of course, we have the word, the spirit working with the word. We have angels. We have demons and evil spirits fighting against or resisting so to speak what God wants to do but angels are real but listen to this God is not warring with the devil God is not like you know in a bind wounded discouraged kind of backing off a little bit because demons are winning it God is not warring with demons at all matter of fact he just flipped Lucifer out of heaven. The Bible said the finger of God, basically. He gave the devil the finger. The finger of God, he left. Like a light, he's gone. He's just gone. And so it's not a big deal with God, but when God commands us to do something, you understand the devil's still roaming around. He has been given somewhat of authority, uh, well, have been given authority on this earth over fallen mankind, but not over us. We have dominion over him. Uh, there, there's, you understand that? And so there is resistance going on in heaven, but we always have a vote on how it's going to come out because we're contending for the things of God. This is not too deep for too many people, is it? 1 Timothy 2.8, I desire, now listen to this, this is the inspiration of God. This is God's heart. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere. Well, if a man's going to pray everywhere, basically he's going to be praying a lot or maybe all the time. So I desire, this is the Lord's desire. Who wants the Lord's desire? Therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. What if Moses said, well, you know what? I don't like this plan. I don't want to walk all the way up that mountain with her and Aaron. I mean, I don't like them in the first place. I mean, what if he had done that? You understand, his, what he's doing physical has, physically has something to do with the unseen realm. And so in this scripture too, the Bible says, I desire, God desires, the Father desires, Jesus desires, the Holy Spirit desires, Pastor Bush desires, therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That's three descriptions of these, this physical gesture. First of all, holy hands. 
I'm washed by the blood of Jesus. Now that's just by faith. Amen. The next thing he says is without wrath, without anger. I saw this in Dollywood the other day. You know, anger is one letter away from danger. You add a D to anger and it's, it's dangerous. And so he says in this verse, uh, without wrath. That means you don't get mad with God or frustrated with God about what he's telling you to do. That right there will stop everything. I don't want to go to the hill. I can't get up the hill. I don't like Aaron and her. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So right away, you stop everything. What God wants to happen in the spiritual realm, it's not going to happen. Y'all getting this? Don't get mad about the instruction of the Lord. The Lord gave me this scripture. The Lord told me to repeat a lot of things this year. Because people in church, don't they hear everything, but it leaves them real quick. It could be a good point at the moment. Everybody says, yes, amen, I like that. They even write it down, but they never look at their notes. And you don't, you, we can't remember everything. So this year, the Lord told me, and Pastor Clayton, you probably do this. Kevin, you need to do it too. We think about what we're going to say a long time before we say it. I mean, we've practiced it, we've rehearsed it, we've meditated on it, and then we just say it one time in church thinking everybody's going to get it like we got it now. And it doesn't happen like that. And so what we need to do, we need to open our ears to instruction. This is the scripture that the Lord gave me. It's in Job 36, 10. And the Bible says <clears throat> he's going to open our ears to hear his instruction. And his instruction will be a discipline, a command, a word, his will, something he wants us to do. Oftentimes, it's in the physical. Y'all with me? And the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, that we can hear his instruction, that we can know what he wants us to do, that we can turn from the iniquity in our hearts. And the iniquity in our hearts is like, you know what? I don't see it like that. That's not what I want to do. That seems too hard. You know, it's resisting the instruction. We heard it, but we don't want to do it. But I'm going to say it again. It, there's some physical things we have to do. It's just like we have in this fair. There's some physical things you have to do to stay alive, to stay healthy. I mean, you know, God's in control. no. Your hand and your fork is. <laughs> People say, I don't eat much. I say, you don't, but man, you got a fast fork. <laughs> and so you understand, everything we do in the physical, I'm not trying to get legalistic, but you need to look at what you're doing in the physical. It, it just, just, it's just not in your heart. Now, heart has a lot to do with it because if you're right in your heart, the physical thing is just step out in faith and just do it. And so, first of all, we see wrath. Don't get mad about God's instruction like going to the mountain or raising your hands. Even when our praise and worship team said, raise your hand. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I, just, I get a little agitated when the praise and worship team tells everybody to sing and then people on the stage don't sing. I'll walk up there and tell them, did you hear the praise and worship team? Sing. 
<laughs> I mean, how you expect everybody out here to do it if you're not going to do it up there? And so you understand there's things that are being done that God is telling people to do in this church. And if we're going to be a corporate body, we have to get in agreement. And it's not Simon Says here. You know what I mean? But usually when something is said, just get on board. Just submit yourself to what the Spirit is doing at that time. So Job 36 says, uh, you know, once our ears are open, we can turn from our wicked ways. We can turn from the wrong uh, things or the things that displease God. And then the Bible says, if they, that's you and I, if, there's a big if to everything this year, if they obey and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. So it's, it's all about, are you going to do what God told you to do? And he's going to speak to us in a lot of different ways. You probably can't do what I'm doing. You know, you're not, you don't need to do what I'm doing. God will call me to do something. Maybe he'll call you to do something in agreement with us, corporately with us. But you understand, if you obey and serve him, you will spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasures. Oh, you might say, well, I'm going to have plenty of vacations and plenty of money. Maybe so. But listen, prosperity is pleasing the Lord. The Lord's on your side. Uh, your pleasure is making the Lord pleasurable by just doing his commands and his biddings and being obedient. And then it says, without doubting. You know, lift up your hands without wrath. Don't get mad at what God is calling you to do. I don't want to go to that church. I don't want to go to Sunday morning church. I don't want to pray. Stop it. <laughs> You're deceiving yourself. That's what the Bible says. You can't just be a hearer. I know I'm supposed to play, but you don't pray. You're supposed to fast, but you don't fast. Don't put that on me, Pastor. Look, we're all supposed to pray and fast. Now, it's, it's the Lord's design in your life. I'm not trying to write this out, but it wouldn't be in the Bible if we're not supposed to do it. And so I'm just here teaching it. You let the Spirit of God lead you and guide you in the format that he wants you to be. So he does say with, without wrath and without doubting. In other words, don't question God about what he wants you to do. Just do it. Don't you kind of get ticked off when you tell your children six times to do this and they keep asking why now you should give them a reason you know you should but God doesn't always give us a reason I know his best interest is me I know I'm his heart and so when he tells me to do something I really don't need to know why I'm going to just do it that really pleases him. Without wrath, don't get mad, and without doubting. You know, the Bible talks about a man that doubts. He's unstable in all of his ways. He's like the wind blowing this, this uh, fishing cork all over the place, just up and down, up and down, over and down. And the Bible says that person is not to think or even to suppose that he would receive anything from the Lord because he's unstable in all of his ways. One quick way to get stable is don't get mad about what the Lord is telling you to do. Just say, yes, sir, step out into it. And don't, 
if you don't get all the reasons for why you're doing what you need to do, don't, don't quit questioning it and just take off with God. Amen? All right. Physical obedience brings spiritual power. Spirit, I mean, physical obedience. These, it's little things. The Lord's going to do, he, we do little things. You know, Jeremy and Danielle, they, they tell people, well, I left everything I had. They didn't have nothing. We just think it's big. Jesus left everything. Jesus gave everything. That's big. See, we just do little things. You know how much I give? No. But it's nothing compared to what Jesus gave. And it might be nothing compared to what other people's give in this church. And so giving is just relative. You just have an attitude of giving. No quiet. If going to the mountain, raising hands together in agreement in the Old Testament brings heavenly results, how much more will happen if we follow the example of Jesus in Luke 4? He fasted for 40 days. And then he got hungry. And in this time of fasting, he went in the wilderness. And listen, when you're praying and fasting, it is a wilderness because your flesh wants shade, wants nourishment, wants petting, wants everything. But it's like you going to a place you've never been before because it's just you and God. How many of y'all know anybody ever been is just like with God? <laughs> you're not lonely. Even if your body's in pain, all of a sudden the pain leaves. You know you're discouraged, but now you're encouraged because God just wraps his arms around you. I mean, Lord, we know that. We experience, we've had so many episodes of God strengthening us when we're weak. And, and when we feel so poor in the natural, he just makes us feel so rich. Are you like that? And so if we would just look at the way Jesus did it, he went into the desert by the command of the Holy Spirit and he was actually led to be tempted, not by some little imp, devil, low life, fifth class devil. It was Satan himself. And nobody in this room has been tested or tempted by Satan himself. So when you say Satan's tempting me, you ain't that important. He's in one place at one time. And I'm going to say it again, you ain't that important. He, he's attacking governments. Now, he is sending these little imps, these little demonic beings to, to ruffle our feathers and to resist the things of God in our life. And uh, you have authority over that. You have authority over all the powers of Satan and all these little secondary demons. You have the power over all of them. But you have to contend for the things that God has already promised you. The church today, not so much this church, but we internalize so much. In other words, I'm talking about doing something physical. I'm talking about fasting. I'm talking about doing something small in the natural and then the physical that something great can happen in the unseen. That's, that's what I'm talking about here. And oftentimes, this is the response you get from Christians. You, you know, you really need to go to church I love God everything's regulated 
to how we feel and what we think. And I'm telling you, we judge ourselves really good, relegated down to what we feel and what we think. You need to go to church. Well, I love God. You understand? It's what you think. But the Bible says you need to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. I don't praise God like that. I love God. See, it's all eternalized. No manifestation. That's the modern church today. You need to forgive that person. Well, I did. God says, go, go bring back, go make it right, go to them. Well, I got it right. See, God will ask you to do something physical. Y'all heard the story about when I stole a person's hammer? I was hanging the disco ball up, and the guy let me use his hammer, and after I used his hammer, I put the nail in, I put the hammer in my suitcase, and I took it home. And then years later, I was teaching up, uh, I was preaching on obedience. And the Lord brought this hammer up to me. I'm saying, a stupid hammer. He said, go bring the hammer back. I'm like, no. He was asking me to do one little small physical thing. And me doing that had a spiritual significance of release and deliverance in my own life. And it was so simple and so like, <laughs> so I did. I knocked on the door. Little lady came to the door. She saw I had a hammer in my hand. She ran and got her daddy. I mean, you know me at the door with a hammer. So she came back. She said, what you want? I said, I want to give your daddy his hammer back. This was years later. So I walked back then. I said, Mr. Como, I'm so sorry, but I stole your hammer. He said, man, I've been looking for that hammer for so long. I couldn't preach my message that night until I brought that hammer back. You understand? It wouldn't have went over. And I'll know in heaven how good that message was. I bet it was powerful. I don't remember, but I bet people got saved, delivered, set free because I was obedient. I did a small physical thing and something on the upside, unseen side, began to happen. So it's not about how we feel or think always. The Bible says you just can't be a hearer. I know that. You have to be a doer. Or you deceive yourself. So go forgive that person. Well, I did in my heart. No, no, no. The Lord may specifically say go to that person. And it don't matter what you feel or what your intellect is saying if God says go talk to that person. And until you do that, it won't happen. And then we'll all say, well, God's in control. See, we internalize it again. It has something to do with us manifesting in the physical. Jesus came to earth physically to manifest something spiritually. Had he not done that, we wouldn't even be here today. We wouldn't be the people that we are today. God demands a physical, God demands physical acts of obedience before he releases spiritual power. Fasting is an act of obedience. Now, if you're sitting there and you're just constantly, I can't fast, don't want to fast, it hurts when I fast, I medically can't fast, my physically body won't let me fast. I mean, you know, this is, this. if God calls you to do it, you can do it. He's going to help you in your weakness. Y'all here? 
Who wants to mature this year? Who wants to go to another level? And listen, I'll caution you about this. Some people don't want to move because they've heard these stories about if you really start to mature, if you really start to serve God, if you really press in, if you really take a leadership role, if you really like step out in faith, the devil's going to come against you. God's not going to promote you until he, know, he knows you where you need to be. So when God promotes you, he trusts you. So when he trusts you, he promotes you. And when he promotes you, you'll have everything you need. President Trump right now, he's at a level that I don't think anybody else is in this room. He's at a high place and a high position of influence as a world leader. How many of y'all know how much protection he has? He's well protected. And so my point is, as God elevates, you know, people say this, this thing, you know, higher levels, bigger devils. Don't ever listen to that nonsense again. When you get at a different level, you're a different person. You got a different mindset. You know who you are. We just sang the song. You know your ability in Christ. You know, you know who you are. And you don't put up with that stuff. So a higher level don't mean bigger devil. A higher level means you got more protection. God trusts you more, so you will be better off at a higher level than a lower level with a bunch of devils. Amen. So don't don't listen to that chronic, that crazy kind of glorifying the devil type thing. Matter of fact, Elijah, he knew who he was. And Elijah was between a rock and a hard place. And he looked at his servant, and his servant, I guess, was wide-eyed, afraid to death because they were outnumbered. And Elijah said, Lord, open up his eyes that he can see. Basically, Elijah saw something, knew something that he didn't know. And then the Lord just popped open his spiritual eyes that he could see something in the unseen world, and they saw horses and chariots and fire. <laughs> you understand, there's a lot working for us when we're working for the Lord. You know, people measure their ministry by the devil. Don't do that. That shows you defeat. That shows you weakness. That gives him glory. That gives him honor. Man, I, I measure myself according to the Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost saying about me? Come on, somebody. All right, we're going to read Daniel because we couldn't talk about fasting without talking about Daniel. Daniel 1, verse 8, but Daniel proposed in his heart, this is what we need to do, that he would not defile himself with the portion of king's delicacies. Okay, who would not want to eat the king's food? Listen, if you got money and you ask me out, ask me where you want to go, we're going to Texas Day, Brazil. (laughs) Don't ask me where you want to go. I'll take you anywhere. Because when you say that, I want a king's meal. I want good stuff. And so who would uh, push that away? Well, this he was being led by the Spirit. Or God had commanded him apparently what to do. Nor will I drink wine, which he drank, which he, which they drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not devour his body. So in other words, he didn't want to eat the pleasant foods like everybody else was eating. Now, Daniel 10, 2, the Bible says, and 3, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, 21-day fast. 
next verse. I ate no pleasant food. That means no desirable food. It, he's not going to eat what he desires. God will oftentimes ask us not to partake of what we desire. It's the story of my life. It's the way to grow. Listen to the Lord, and he will tell you to take your hands off of something you want and something you desire. And you can push this thing, and you can get what you desire, but if God didn't give it to you, it's going to be trouble down the road. And this year, God is going to be asking you to push away from what you desire that you can have him in his desire. When I got saved, put your music down. <laughs> I mean, how many of y'all had to get out of things that you wanted to be in? Leave this person. <laughs> I mean, we're in church together. Get away from him. They're not going where you're going. They're playing church. Constantly, I had to get away from things I desire that I could please my Lord. That will be a year like this. It's going to cost you something. Now, he paid it all, but for you to mature and for you to grow up, it's going to take a little sacrifice on your part. Your flesh is going to scream. Your flesh is going to whine, but you need to be obedient to the Lord because in these little physical things, something's happening in the unseen realm, and it's working for you and for your family. Daniel 10, suddenly, verse 10, Daniel 10, verse 10, Suddenly a hand touched me. Now this is a fast. It's a 21-day fast. He's eating, he's drinking water, he's eating vegetables. He's not eating the pleasant foods. Which made, he said, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and my palms of my hands. And he said to me, this is an angel, O Daniel, man greatly beloved or greatly desired, Understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I know now, for I have now been sent to you. An angel is sending, is speaking to him, and the angel is saying, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, or O Daniel, a man desired by God. So this is what happens. When you give up your desires, God desires you. That's the trade-off right there. You give up your desires. You give up what you've been chasing after and never could catch. Give it up. And then God desires you. And he will give you his very, very best. The angel said, I speak to you and I stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking... This word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, the first day of the fast, my first day of fasting, God heard my heart. I pushed away from things I desired. Then God desired me. I don't know what's to come, but just like this whole story with Daniel, when he purposed in his heart to do what God told him to do, it's a physical thing. Then all of a sudden, things in the upper realm, the spiritual realm, are working on behalf of him. 
through that one single physical thing, an angel comes and speaks to him. And he's, the angel's telling him, God desires you. He saw your heart. Listen to that. Now, Daniel, Daniel became a great influencer. I mean, the favor of the Lord came upon his life, and he helps. He helped the whole kingdom. He helped so many people. So we can again say that fasting is really not about us. It's about more, less of us, more of him. It's about God desiring and getting what he desires, and we push away from what we desire. And he said, and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have become, and I have come because your word, because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, that's a place in Iran, physically, withstood me 21 days. So the angel is saying, from the day you started fasting, something was happening in the upper realm. But there was a war going on, and this angel is saying, I was getting some resistance from the prince of the, the power of Persia. But there was something going on that it, it couldn't happen yet. For 21 days and behold Michael <laughs> because of this guy's Daniel's physical step to do something physical an angel comes to him the angels in a battle there's a war going on and because of his fasting because of his obedience Michael comes there's only three big boys there's only two now. Gabriel, which is a messenger. Michael, he carries a sword. He's a warrior. And of course, Lucifer, he's a loser. <laughs> but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. The angel says, Michael showed up to help me. And then the resistance was gone. Because of a man stepping out, doing a feat in the physical, to get a spiritual release in power for a kingdom, for a nation. The difference, shake my heart. Let's talk about this. Who knows that God loves you? This 24-7. This is nonstop. He loves you. This is seven days a week, every second of the day. It's full. It's free. You can't buy it. It'll never change. It's never less or never more. God's love for you. Isn't that good? But listen, don't stop there. Because we need the favor of God on our lives. I know, I know, I know people that God loves, but there's no favor on their life. They're not going nowhere. They're not being obedient. You understand? God will always love you. Stupid, missing it. Yeah, he's going to love you. But who wants the favor of God on their life? Like God gets behind you, and to have God's favor on his life, it's going, you can't buy it, but you have, it's going to be sacrifice. And it's only going to be these little physical things, and it will always be there. They will never go away. And the longer we say, I don't want to, I don't have to, I think this is right, and, and the council told you don't do that. You understand, just these little things that we do can create a power release in the spiritual realm, both for our family, our lives, the community, and the kingdom of God. Somebody get on board with this. But favor, 
You know, when we get saved, the favor of the Lord is upon us. I mean, when I had my kids, wow, they got me, the favor. But you know, as they begin to grow up, I love them, but you got to do the right thing in my household. I mean, now you're 30, you know, if you ain't gonna do it right, out of here. But my children gain my favor. It's almost something that's gained. It's something, not, I don't wanna say earned, but if you give up your desires, you'll have the favor of the Lord and you will become his desire. That's favor. When you're the desire of the Lord, you got the favor of God. Everybody will be at the end of the line when you were supposed to be at the end of the line and now you're at the beginning of the line. You were not supposed to be there. Everybody else was, but now you're there. The favor of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Increase of favor depends on what we do with what God says. Love is there. Favor is what are you going to do with what God is saying? Are you going to be obedient? Are you going to say yes? Are you going to step out in faith? Who wants the favor of God? You know, people say favor is not fair. Well, it really is. You desire God more than your own desires, then you're going to have the favor of God on your life. And that's pretty fair. How much of God you want? Well, the more we give up of ourselves, the more we can have of God. The more we want to do his desires than our desires, you understand? The favor of God will be on our lives. That gets God's attention. He can trust us. Who wants to be trusted by the Lord? Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature. Stature. Not in a statue. Amen. <laughs> he grew in wisdom and stature, in favor with both God and man. The Father saw him obedient. He didn't have to be. He wasn't made to be. He desired to be the desire of his father. Is that your desire? To be the desire of your creator? And this is the story of my life, really. You know, it's constantly having to just push away from things you desire. I mean, I want to hurt people sometimes. Don't look at me so holy. <laughs> and I can't do it. I have to push away from that. I have to get my heart right to be very desirable by the Lord. You know, the attitude of Christ was he didn't, he didn't count it against him that he was equal. You know, he left heaven and became a man. He put down his deity. You understand? He, he didn't take that as an offense. He didn't take that as a negative. This was the will of his father. So he desired to do and to be what his father wanted him to be and what he wanted him to do. He didn't demand or cling to any of his rights in heaven. That's pretty powerful. We can't cling to and demand our own rights and call Jesus Lord. Now, if it's a spiritual promise, if it's in the Bible, we can claim that right. We can hold on to that promise until it comes to pass. So we, we y'all got that point about Daniel. This is this is one of the fasts that you teach about. That his heart 
was not to eat what he desired. Not to partake of what he desired. He's pushing it away. And because of that, he became the desire of the Lord. So this year, your promotion's going to come from not your accomplishments. It's going to come from what you push away from. Because the more we empty ourselves, and I'm telling you, I'm still emptying myself. The more we empty ourselves, the more we see of, of the Lord, the more we experience of him. I'm going to end right here because everybody knows this scripture, but I'm going to read it. Matthew 17, verse 18. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. Y'all know the story? This, this little boy had a demon in him. Uh, he, uh, the father brought this little boy to the disciples, and uh, they couldn't cast the demon out of him. And so, and Jesus rebuked the demon. He said, bring him to me, rebuke the demon, also rebuked the disciples. The demon came out of him. The child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately. So we know he's speaking to disciples. Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Two things I want you to see here. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible with you. Then he says, however, this kind does not go out, except, this kind don't go out. This, it don't happen, except, nothing will happen, except by prayer and fasting. So if, if there's a thing in the life, not moving in your life, nothing's going to move it. You've tried everything. You prayed, pastor prayed, everybody did everything. You jumped through the hoops. You quoted, you memorized, you did everything. It's time to pray and fast. In another version in Mark 9, Jesus calls his disciples. He said, you have unbelief. And he said, you're of a perverted generation. So this is two words that Jesus described his disciples. I don't know if y'all heard me say this, but if Jesus had Facebook, Messenger, an iPhone, and had tweeted that, he said, you're full of unbelief. You're a perverted generation. You have no faith. Everybody would have got offended. Kind of like a Trump tweet. You don't like it, but it's true. You know what I mean? You don't want to hear it. It hurts, but it's the truth. He said, you're full of unbelief. He called them perverts. God forbid you correct anybody like that in church. So he said two things. I want you to get this. What is unbelief? You're disconnecting with God. That's a disconnect. You, you, I mean, they walk with Jesus. They talk with Jesus. They watched him do miracles. But now they're full of unbelief. It's a disconnect with God. You become, now you're not full of faith. You're full of fear. You're full of anxiety. You're full of despair. You're full of hopelessness. And then he called them, a pervert. I mean, my God. Huh? 
how, I mean, how, how hard is he going to cut them? You know what a pervert is, scripturally speaking? You're not only disconnected with God, but you're too connected with the world. That's what he's saying. Your mind's in the world. Now listen. I'm in unbelief and a pervert at times. Okay? We all struggle in this area. You ever hear your pastor call himself a pervert? <laughs> we all we all struggle. I just explained what a pervert was. You're living on your own. When you start living in unbelief, you are away from the word of God. You are away from the spirit of God. You ain't praising God. You're not praying. You're not fellowshipping. You're not under any accountability. You've disconnected somewhere. And once you disconnect, you are living in unbelief. And when you're living in unbelief, you slip right back into the worldly ways. It's like a double whammy. And now you're living for your own desires and nobody understands. And I'm telling you, we can all say we hit those places at times. If you don't, come up here and I'll kiss your big toe. You could get discouraged. You could get offended. What God promised, it didn't come to pass. You get sick in your spirit. You get wounded by something somebody says. Next thing you weigh, next thing you know, you're on your way out. This, we don't need to go there, but it happens. And so what we have to do is realign ourselves. And this is the way you realign yourself. If you ain't feeling the fire, if you don't have the confidence you used to have, if you lost your zeal, and your love for your brothers and sisters. If you're second-guessing everything in church and wondering, why am I doing what I'm doing? It's like going to church is going up the mountain. Going to church is like sitting by Aaron and her. I don't want to sit by them. And listen, we all fall off in those places. And if you want to get back, you have to realign your life. And this is how you do it. You start praying. That's how people get saved. They pray. They make a confession out of their heart. They find out they got iniquity in their heart. They quit pointing the finger. And they start saying, you know what? I disqualified myself. I got some problems in my heart. And they make a confession of their sin. They repent. They start praying. They start communicating with God. And prayer reconnects you with the kingdom of God. Come on. And I know people are praying here, but fasting disconnects you with the world. It disconnects you from the world, from your flesh, from the lust of your eyes, from the pride of life, from your way, my way, nobody else's way. I'm going to do this on my... It just totally delivers you from worldly thinking. And I mean, you know, you don't, you don't know it all, but you step right back into the place that you were. And I know everybody here suffers, falls in, fails in, in this area. It's just like we get hit in life. Come on, somebody. So you got to realign. This morning 
is a realignment. I told Pastor Kevin, this is what we're going to do this year. We're going to flip houses. That's what we're going to do. We're going to flip houses. That house was dark. We're going to flip it into a lighthouse. That, that house wasn't restored. That's a fixer-upper right there. We're going to revamp that thing. We're going to restore that thing. It's going to come through the Word of God. This morning is the first step into your future. This is the best message you heard this year so far on this day at this time from this pastor. I think I got y'all. <laughs> this is it. Realignment. Got to start off right. You ever see a truck going down the road and the back wheels are not in line? I mean, it's like the butter of the truck's way back here and the front wheel's over here and it's going down the road like this. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about? It's a, how does that happen? Well, it needs realignment. It's off. Did they get it, Steph? It's, it's always good to explain it in the pew if somebody doesn't get it. Realignment. We all need to be realigned at times. There will be many, many realignments this year. You have to be open to that. If, if you don't need realignment, you're, you're the Jesus Christ we need to meet. <laughs> you're the God we never knew. And so this morning, and I know it's 1222, it's a little late, but I think we need to start this year off right. You know, in my day, we had filling stations. And you just pull in. They'd check your tires. They'd pull up the hood. They'd check your oil. I mean, they'd even fix things if it had to be fixed. They just wanted to service the vehicle to make the person happy. And so this morning... I tell you, we all need to be under the service of the Lord. And so this morning, I want you to know it's free fill-up, free lube. We'll change your windshield wipers. You know, if you can't, if they don't work, your windshield of life is dirty and you, you can't see. So this morning, the Lord wants to check you. Amen. He, don't, he doesn't want you to go flat. He doesn't want you to run out of gas. He wants you with high octane. He wants the engine of your heart revved up for him. Your lights need to come on. You don't need to be sputtering and puttering and leaking oil <laughs> and smoking. So this is what happens when you get in unbelief. You know, I was talking to Danielle and Jeremy. I talked to them a couple of times a week. We're very close because they're in ministry in a different country and they're always going through things. And oftentimes they're really discouraged. And we get on the phone and we just start encouraging them. And so when I call back days later, I start asking about, you know, the problem areas. How's this? And they're like, we got it. We moved on. And I mean, I hadn't moved on. I'm still thinking about your problems. 
I mean, <laughs> I'm not kidding. And they're like, we believe in for the nation. We believe in for hundreds to get saved. And I'm like, would you help me? <laughs> I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. I encourage them to the place that now I'm stuck. They're believing beyond what I was believing for them. And then they come back around and they encourage me. This will happen all year long. That's why we need each other. I'm telling you, we going forward this year in Christ. And so this morning, let's just get it fixed. And it all has to do with our heart. And if we could be honest with ourselves, and if we are, we won't deceive ourselves. Just be honest. Come to the Lord. Confess that thing. The little quirk you have, a critical attitude. Well, I don't know who hurt you. You know, you're stuck in your rearview mirror. You can't get away from your past. It's almost like it's labeled you. You've lost your, count, your, your confidence. You lost your anointing. You lost your fire. You lost your zeal. You lost your witness. I'm saying a lot of things, but some of us just lost something in one area. And God wants to restore that place back to you this morning. I would ask you to come up here right now. Come on, free fill up. Just come. Just come. I believe on, I believe in laying hands on people. I tell you, it strikes something. You know, I had somebody pray for me not long ago. When they laid hands on me, some fire went inside of me. So I need what you need. I'm, I'm not saying I don't need what you need. I need what you need. I need I need to be sharpened. I need to be quickened. I need to be encouraged. I need to be used by God. I need a fresh anointing. I need that. I need that. I'm looking for that. I'm expecting that. Shake it. Just come up. Come up. Come up. It's first of the year. It's 2020. You're going to be challenged this year. But you need the ability in you. You need to be activated that you can stand against and stand up to any challenge that comes in your life, whether it comes from God or comes from the enemy. God's going to challenge you to grow you. The enemy's going to challenge you to kill you, destroy you, hold you back away from the things that the Lord wants you to be in and have in the name of Jesus. Just come. Come as a family. Bring your whole family up. Just come, come. I don't have it all figured out for this year. I'm, I'm just going to move with the Spirit of God. Just come, 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 come. Quickest way to start praying is get on our prayer schedule if you're not. Just get on our prayer schedule. Start coming to church before service. You'll just learn how to get around people that pray, and it'll just happen. Just rub off on you. Shana, some of you have been waiting for things. This is your year. This is your year. This is your year. Now, this year is going to prepare you to get what you've been waiting for. So I'll say this. As the Lord told Moses, lift up your hands without wrath, without doubt. Lift up your holy hands. He's made you holy. He's made you righteous. Lift up your hands. Don't be angry at anyone. Don't be upset with you or your spouse or someone that hurt you. Don't be upset with anybody. Let it go. 
let it go without doubting Lord now right now think about what you need to push away from if it's your husband you better talk to me first if it's about leaving this church you better talk to me first if it's about punching somebody get up and talk to me first no 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 it, it has to do with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. What are, you, what are you having to push away from? You're staring at this table, and what's on that table is not for you. You're not to partake of it. You're to separate from it. Just push away by faith right now. Make that confession to the Lord in the way you need to do it so you can go up. Come on, that's only going to put a weight and a burden on you. You want to go up, push away from that. Push away from that. Fire to go up. For fire. 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 Jen, if you get any, I don't think you can get any more cuter. I mean, it's, I mean you can't get any more cuter, but God ain't going to use cute. He's going to work through obedience. He's going to work through your yes. And he's going to work through your simple, small. Steps physically. Those simple physical things that he's asking you to do. The Bible says, if, if you obey me serve me, you will spend all your days in prosperity, pleasing the Lord, and your years in pleasure, pleasing the Lord, pleasing. Come on, let's all of us up here totally submit again to the Lord. Come on, Trina. Trina, we need you. We need you. Somebody say, we need Trina. We need you. We need Jason and Laney. Such character, such ability. We need Miss Denton. Listen, we thank God for all the people that have been with us many, many years. And we thank God for the people that have just joined us. And everybody in between. Lord, shika masatarabasototo. Lizzie, you know there's some areas you need to grow up in. Just tell the Lord that you want to grow up. You want to be like your spiritual parents. That's what you want. So you have to make those confessions. You can't fight what God is doing. You got to submit. Submit to instruction. Submit to correction. God is looking for families to be whole and complete and move spiritually together. Up, 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 up. His desire. Even if it hurts, it's all about his desire. Even if it costs you, it's all about his desire. My girl, it's his desire. Your desire ever got you anywhere but trouble? <laughs> his desire. You push away from, he's not crazy about what he doesn't want. You, you leave it, you let it go, you become his desire. You become his delight. Hey, 
I'm telling you, dynamite comes in small packages. You can't have your way. In this kingdom, you can't have your way. You can't fix much. The quickest way to fix things around you is let God fix you first. Go up. Go up. Cody, you need to hang out. Jesus 365. One year. Serve the Lord with all of your heart and everything that you are. Everything. No, I'm talking about every day, in everywhere, in everything you do. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Jojo, let's do it this year. Give it to God. Give it to God. Or give it away. You've done that too. Sheke broke mahaseke lerabanande. Basako rebara. Sheke, don't fight the plans of God. It's called a flow. Sheke de basako Think about the best times of your life in Christ. You didn't know nothing. <laughs> His desire. His desire. Let's get it right, man. Don't fight God's system. Don't fight God's kingdom. Don't fight God's kingdom. Don't fight God's kingdom. Don't fight, God's kingdom. Don't fight the king. If you, if you obey him and serve him, spend your life right in prosperity and in pleasures seesaw so called prayer and fasting you want things to change start praying and fasting you cause things in the world to be changed upside down shake it up come on two two